It is officially summer this week, which means road trip season. So endless miles of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, I wonder how many of these summer road trips go according to the exact plan. I mean, probably zero. And you know, our faith journey is not different than a summer road trip. From flat tires to hidden diners, the unexpected twists and turns make for the best memories and the biggest lessons. So don't be afraid of the unexpected journeys God takes you on. He is waiting to bless you in unexpected ways. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you. And we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. What's better than a summer road trip? Well, a summer series about road trips, and Pastor Jason is driving us down a new sermon series called On the Road, Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. And you may just find something you don't expect. So let's check it out right now. We're starting a brand new sermon series today called On the Road Again. On the Road Again. I can't wait. Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. And we're going to be doing this all summer. It's like a big road trip of faith because I do think our faith is a little bit like a journey. It is a, a road trip, if you will, with, with different places to see and things to do along the way. And I do think that the most powerful parts of our journey are the unexpected ones, the ones that we get handed, not the ones that we have planned. That sometimes these are the way which God blesses us most. And we're going to look at uh, all different places of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, where God often met people on the road or called them to a transition in their life, called them to leave things behind and go on a new journey. And so that's what we're talking about today. And I thought about this because uh, when I was a kid and my parents used to get me on a road trip, they would literally start singing Willie Nelson every single time. On the road again, you know, I'm like... What are you guys singing? Like, it's Willie Nelson, kid. Learn something, you know. But then it's, when I uh, was talking about this series, I heard from a lot of other people who said their parents did the same thing. So uh, it's just maybe part of growing up as a kid of the uh, 70s and 80s. Now, for as long as I can remember, I have always been a planner. I've always been a planner. It's just, I don't know, I'm just wired that way. I've always been a planner. I always like to know what the next thing is before I get there. Like, just tell me what's next. I got to know or it's going to drive me crazy so that I can prepare myself and get ready to get into that next thing. Even all the way back in you know, my young years, thinking about the plan that I had for my life. You know, I, I planned I was going to go to medical school. So in third grade, in the third marking period, when I got a C in science... I went home in tears because I thought I was never getting into medical school. Third grade. And my parents were like, what, are you nuts? What's the matter with you? What? I don't know. There was clearly something the matter with me, but I thought that my plan that I had for my life was over because of what had happened even at that young age. But maybe there's a little bit of third grade Jason that you can identify with. Some people call it a life plan, but the thing is we have certain expectations of where we think we're supposed to be. This is true in faith, this is true in life. We're supposed to be at a certain place by this time. We even have goals, they're like, hey, by the time I turn 40, I want to do this. By the time I turn, all my goals keep being adjusted upward. 
<laughs> Not quite there where I thought it would be. But we do this all the time, and we come by it naturally. We're taught from an early age, hey, you got to have a plan. You have to have a plan. you got to go to school. you got to get good grades. Why? So you get into right college. Now, in my day, it was all about getting to college. And then I got to college and sort of like, oh, sweet. We made it. Uh, nowadays, it's like college is just another step to the next thing. Like, you got to do well in college so you can get to grad school, so you can get to this and this and this. Like, the pressure is incredible. But we definitely, we have that pressure from an early age. Hey, you got to have a plan for your life. And I think it's a little bit like, uh, like a road trip or a vacation. We have a plan for a vacation. Like, for me, I plan my vacations so much so that it's like, you know, we're supposed to be here by 5.03 and check in. And if we don't, like, I got to know way ahead of time what we're doing. And, you know, it's like putting little pins in the map, right, on your journey of faith. It's like we set ourselves markers to judge our success. Like, it's only a good vacation if we got to see the biggest ball of twine in the world or, you know, the Grand Canyon or whatever it is that we're going. Like, it's only a success if we hit these certain markers. And I think we do this to ourselves in our lives as well. We set up these little push pins on the map that we think we're supposed to be following. And man, if we don't make it, we consider ourselves a failure often. We, like, we didn't do it. We didn't achieve where we were supposed to be. We have this feeling like, oh yeah, by now I was supposed to have achieved this. Well, I didn't, so oh well. I guess I, guess I failed. And it's funny, in this in this road trip of life, <laughs> I feel like my plans, I, I feel more often than not, I end up feeling like this. <laughs> right? Who can identify little Clark Griswold? It's like my, my plan of life, I feel like I am in a ditch and the car's broken down and I don't know what's going on most of the time. It's like, well, I'm not going to make that next push pin in the map. I end up feeling like this. So what does this mean, and what does it mean for our growth as children of God? What does it mean for our flourishing? I actually think it means a lot. That it's often through the unexpected journeys that God blesses us the most. So how do we navigate them? How do we do that faithfully? You know, it's funny... um, about how unexpected journeys grow you. I was thinking about my kids, and uh, if you have little kids and you ever go on vacation with them, the most miraculous thing happens. So you go on vacation with little kids, and all of a sudden, it's like they mature or develop in front of your eyes on vacation. It's like, what? My kid says that? Since when? My kid can do that? Since when? It's like they're developing right in front of you, and they have this huge kind of maturity or growth spurt And you're like, what's going on? Well, what's going on is they're out of their routine and they're forced to respond to a whole different new set of stimuli in real time. So they are literally growing in front of your eyes. Why? Because they're out of, they're not lulled to sleep by the routine. And I feel like that's a lesson for all of us. We are so lulled to sleep by our routine for the expected journey that we think we're supposed to be on. And then what happens is the unexpected journey comes and that's where we grow because we're forced to actually respond in real time. And so I think God uses unexpected journeys strategically 
in order to grow us. So, how do we navigate this? Because I do think the way we navigate the unexpected journeys matters for our growth. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look all throughout Scripture, as I said, and today we're going all the way back to the Wayback Machine, to the story of Abraham. Now, back in Abraham's day, what it meant to follow the successful roadmap of life looked a certain way. Now, for them, in a subsistence agrarian society, there were certain benchmarks you needed to have. You needed land. You needed a family. You needed cattle. The big three. This, these three criteria really spoke volumes about your wealth. I mean, think about it. You need land to grow crops and to live, or maybe to make a little money off of. Same with the livestock. And you needed to have a family to pass that down to. How interesting on Father's Day we meet, we meet a man who couldn't be a father. We meet a man who's, it was determined that they couldn't have children, Abram and Sarai. Interestingly, if you know the story of Abram, he becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, with an H. And uh, this is just an aside. A lot of people wonder, like, what's with the name change? Well, interestingly, just like in English, how the H sound is silent, it's like a breather. Same thing in Hebrew, that H sound is a breather. And the idea is, once God put his mark on their lives, he put his breath in them. And that's why their name changed, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. But we meet Abram, and he is already, like, he knows what his expected journey is. Get married, have kids, have land, have... So he's got almost all those things, except they can't have any kids. And what's more, he's 75 years old when he meets God. I don't know about you, but like most people, when they're 75, they don't think God's biggest blessings are ahead of them. Talk about an unexpected journey. Everything that Abram knew, his security, his wealth, everything was tied up in this life that he had lived for 75 years. And then God shows up. These are the first words of God to Abram. This is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. All right, nice to meet you too. What? Take everything that has made you secure. It would be the same thing as us saying, okay, you know all that work you put in your entire life for your retirement? All right, take it all out, put it all on the line, and I'll show you what to do with it later. He, he doesn't say, okay, yeah, follow me to this exact country, and I'm going to show you everything, and I'll lay it out point by point. No, he says... Go to the land, I will show you. What land? I'm not going to tell you yet. Just get all your stuff and go. Talk about an unexpected journey. But he's got some promises attached. I will make you into a great nation. Now he's got to be thinking, I, I'm not even a father. I don't have any kids. How am I going to be a great nation? Like, I don't know if you got the memo, Lord. We're not, like, reproducing here. It's a numbers game. 
And in fact, they probably thought, Abram and Sarai probably thought that they had done something wrong against God. That's what they thought back then if you couldn't have kids. And so they actually thought probably whatever plans God had for them were, have weighed them goodbye years before. And he says, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the people on, so you're going to bless me and everybody on the earth. Because I'm supposed to take all my stuff and go somewhere that you're not going to tell me where. This is getting better and better. But I think the next verse speaks volumes about the kind of person that Abram was and why God chose him. Verse 4, so Abram went. Doesn't that say it all? Abram went. He believed. He said yes. I'm sure it seemed crazy. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. By the way, I have no idea what that is. Apparently, the people who heard this story knew exactly where this great tree was. It was meant to tell us, he already went a long way. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now notice what happened. This is easy to miss. Notice what happens here. He reveals, the Lord reveals to Abraham which land he's talking about to his offspring in the middle of the journey, not at the beginning of the journey. This is how God works with the journeys of our lives. He calls us out. He says, trust me. Put everything on the line. Risk for me. I promise you, I'm going to bless you. And in the midst of that journey, he reveals to us step by step what he has in store for us. This is how he works. He doesn't tell us everything in the beginning. That would require no faith. And we'd probably mess it up anyway. At least I would. I knew everything before it happened he reveals it as we go so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev now if you Know what the Negev is? It is a desert. So awesome, Lord. Take everything at 75 years old, leave every ounce of your retirement security behind, and follow me into the desert. Awesome. I mean, listen, I don't know about you, but when I see the desert coming, I turn around. I want nothing to do with that. But if I'm honest with you, it's those journeys where I'm following God into the desert that although they're really hard, 
I end up being blessed in a way that's beyond what I can imagine. I never wish the desert on anyone. It's a difficult place to be. But sometimes it's the necessary place in order for God to bless us, in order for us to flourish, in order for us to grow and move forward. Sometimes the deserts have to be crossed. There's probably an equal number of times, though, that I saw the desert coming and it turned out to be a mirage and actually wasn't bad at all. I just thought it was going to be. It's about trusting. Trusting that God cares about your flourishing more than you do. God actually knows what's best for you more than you do. That's easier said than done, I know. Because we say it, we think it, but we don't always live it out. You know what I think it is? I think we like to follow God when we feel like it's up and to the right. Like, if God's going to upgrade any part of my life, I'm with you, Lord. Take me to that new opportunity. That's an upgrade right there. I see it. All right. And then if anything that smells of a downgrade, we're like, ooh, I don't, know if, I don't think I'm hearing God exactly right. Right? Like, that does not look like an upgrade. That's at best a lateral move. But the problem with that is that we see things through, through our human way of thinking. We don't understand what's, what there is for us on the other side of that. We don't understand what God has planned. We have no idea. And maybe that's where we need to start on this journey of life, is to start by saying, look, I have no idea. How many of you, all of your plans have worked out since when you were a little kid? Everything that you believe? No. If there's anybody here, you might as well come up here and preach, because you clearly are perfect. And we need to hear from you. So how do we navigate these unexpected journeys where God calls us? Because this is how it works. I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. I've never heard that. But I feel it inside as if I heard it on the outside sometimes. Sometimes it's so strong, it's as if he has spoken it right directly into my heart. He bypassed my ears, because I'd probably hear it wrong, and he went right to the heart. And I feel so compelled to follow that journey that I feel like it's very clear to me that I'm supposed to leave and go. I think what happens, though, is so oftentimes we feel that feeling, but we say no. Or we say, God, that's awesome. Let me finish what I'm doing over here. I got this whole thing going on, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do this other journey that you have for me, only to discover that once we actually remember to come back, the opportunity is no longer there. We're already on a different road. The road doesn't just stay the same and wait for us. It's time-coded. These things that God calls us to do, we live in real time. Now, it's like the waves of the ocean. I know there's a few surfers out there. You know that if you miss a wave, there's another one coming eventually. It's the same with opportunities in God, but we can't kid ourselves and think, well, that wave will wait for us. So here are some principles I think that we learn from Abram that help us 
in navigating the unexpected journeys. The first is this. When God speaks, we go. When you feel that pull of God, go. What would happen if we started saying yes to God more than we say no? Or what about this? What if you just said yes to God one more time this week than you did last week? Just one more time. What would happen over time? You'd have a transformed life on your hands. This is way easier said than done, but this is what must be done if we're going to grow, if we're going to live into that person that God created us to be. When God speaks, we go. The second is we must stay connected with God just like Abram did. You notice what he did everywhere he went on that journey? He kept building altars. Why in the world would he do that? Because he was maintaining his connection with God so he can continue to receive instructions for the journey ahead. It's like spiritual Marco Polo. You're not going to hear anything if your head's underwater. You're constantly checking in. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you don't have a regular way that you're connecting with God, you're never going to know where to go in your journey. So for me, what that looks like is, it's not like you have to, okay, you know, I've got to get to it, I've got to read the Bible in a month, you know, i got to, you set all sorts of lofty goals. That's not it. It's just daily connecting points. So for me, when the weather's nice, it's me going outside in the morning before anybody gets up, going for a walk around my neighborhood, it takes about 20 minutes, and I do some prayer as I walk. And by the time I'm done, I feel connected with God because I'm prepared to receive what he's trying to tell me, Marco Polo, in today's journey. And you do that over time, and you find yourself on the path that God wants you to be. And you find yourself hitting push pins in the map that are way beyond anything that you expected or imagined. And you wake up and you think to yourself, how am I so blessed to have this life that I've been given? We got to stay connected with God. It's like a spiritual compass, right? The third is, and this is huge for us who have the pleasure of living in Monmouth County, we must trust in God's promises more than our plans. We must trust in God's promises more than our plans. Listen, let's just be honest with each other. We have it good. Our plans have taken us really far in life. When I came here, um, I noticed a few things right away about coming and working for this church, you know, seven years ago. The first thing that I noticed was the people. You are smart. You are driven. You are successful. You are tough. I tell people uh, on staff or who are new to staff, if they have any leadership to do, if they have to run a meeting or something, I tell them, I'm like, you better know what you're talking about when you go into that meeting. You can't just halfway prepare. They will eat you alive. <laughs> right? Because you guys are super successful. I mean, 
You have done well for yourselves. And the problem with that is you have a tendency to trust that your plans are the best. When you, when you know what? You know, and you know when I'm going to say it because you know you felt this. Your plans will never take you there. They will never get you where you think you want to go. Your heart will never be at rest until it's at rest in Jesus Christ. Your plans will never give you that fulfillment that you're looking for if you're making those plans apart from God. Now the idea is, hopefully, over time, your plans and God's plans connect. But your plans on their own, I'm sorry to say, you will always be left wanting more. And then you start thinking, well, if I just upgrade this area of my life, then I'm finally going to, you know, get a new car, get a new kitchen, new house, new, yeah, whatever it is. And we think that's going to satisfy us. You got to trust that God's plans are better than yours. And that takes some surrendering of our plans. And say, Lord, I think about that prayer that Jesus gave on the night of his arrest. Not my will, but yours be done. And we all kind of like, I hope my will is your will. And then the fourth is, it's really about, kind of like our kids on vacation, is that growth is about discovery, and discovery happens when you're on a new, unexpected journey. You don't really grow through the journeys you're expecting. God always calls us to discovery. Why does God give us unexpected journeys? So that we will grow, so that we will flourish, so that we'll be challenged. I've never read anywhere in the Bible, anywhere, at any time, where God's like, hey, listen up, everyone. You're all doing great. Don't change a thing. <laughs> now, we're always meant to grow, and a lot of that growth happens to the unexpected journey. I was thinking about this because I was thinking about my, my mom a lot. Whenever I think about my mom, I end up turning on the Beatles channel on XM radio. And I was reminded of this John Lennon quote, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. John Lennon would probably hate this, but I think this is very spiritually true. The life that the Lord has promised us is often what gets sacrificed when we're making our other plans. That, that the real life that we're given is the life that comes from his plans. I want to close with a story about unexpected journeys. So let's go back in the time machine all the way to 1999. The thing I remember about that year was on New Year's Eve, right? Thinking like, I, there's this little part of me that's like, what if it does all end? <laughs> I know some of you, you were on like projects to make sure that all the computers were good. And, and then, you know, you had like the fear mongers in my life who were just like, you know, everything's got a computer chip and everything's just going to go like, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? 
But I was thinking about that, that stage of my life. So I was a, a youth minister just outside of Philadelphia. I was living in a church member's attic. And what I remember about that situation was I couldn't fully stand because it was a low ceiling. And uh, I had, but it, it was a place to stay and it was free, which was my favorite color. And so I had, I had some clothes, I had a guitar, and I had a car that somebody gave me, and it looked exactly like a car that somebody gives you. <laughs> it actually had, it had no inside, I wasn't planning on saying this, it's just funny, that it had no inside like fabric on the door, so like the wires were just hanging out like for the automatic door. And the youth group kids thought it was funny to take the wires, put them in the back seat when they were there, and put my window up and down. <laughs> so yes, I was also driving children in this car. Anyway, <laughs> the Lord was with me. So, and it was, it was right after, it was soon after my mom had died, and I was feeling very depressed about life. I, I was feeling like my little pushpins in the map of my life were a disaster, they had all been ripped out, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I feel like I was a failure. That Hey, by this age, I was going to be at this far and this far, and, and I was about to go on this uh, mission trip. So the mission trip we do with our kids here is the same mission organization I've been working with since 1996. And so my job then was to go and to lead worship for about 400 teenagers. I would go play guitar, lead worship. Um, and it's a week out from this trip. And I was going to call them and say, I'm really not up for it. I'm in a bad place in my life. I'm not up for this journey. And I felt one of those God tugs. Think, nope, you're going. And I remember distinctively being like, nope, I'm not. <laughs> and then like a couple of restless nights of sleep. And I knew this wasn't just going to go away. That God was, was calling me to go. All right, you know. And, and I start heading out to uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania, where all God's blessings come true. <laughs> Altoona Middle School is where we were staying, and the traffic was really bad on the turnpike from Philadelphia to Altoona, and, uh, and I was late. And the idea was the entire staff gets there at 5 o'clock so that they can go out to dinner, get to know each other before receiving all the campers the next day. I was late, and moreover, I was late for a free meal, so I wasn't happy. And I get there, and uh, I meet the custodian who takes me around and gives me a tour. There was one other person that was late. It's my wife, Karen. You see, there's no way I could have known what blessing was ahead of me what unexpected journey was in front of me and what God was going to do through it. All I did was even begrudgingly say yes. And it led me to one of the biggest blessings of my life. I think this is what God wants for you and for me all the time. For us to trust him enough to say yes. When we don't want to, when it doesn't make any sense, when it's inconvenient. Don't be afraid of the unexpected journeys. God is waiting to bless you through them. 
And not only that, he not only wants to bless you, he wants to bless you so that you'll be a blessing to everyone else. It's all a part of his kingdom work that's happening right in front of us. So this summer, let's think about that. And maybe we make a decision. Let's not be afraid to get on the road again with God. He just may transform your life. Amen. Amen.